0: so great to be here with you this morning. I know uh, last week Daniel had mentioned that uh, we were uh, had a group that was meeting at the Groves Church up in uh, in Webster Groves. Uh, we did do that. It was our, our team that's looking, mainly our team that was going to our, our new location as well as some others joined us and was able to preach there and uh, we led led worship and just worship together with another body. So we, we continue to Look to see where our, our location is going to uh, officially be for our, the you know, we were looking in the Melville area, and uh, we thought it was going to be in a certain Melville campus, but um, some different things have been happening. So we're, we are just seeking God and praying for his will to be done, and ask that you continue to pray for us as we, we just seek that, and uh, we're going to honor him in that, whatever that is. He's taking us on a, a little different journey than we thought it would go, um, but that's okay. And we trust him and we're, we're in that together and the group is focused and ready and, uh, still upbeat and looking to see what God's going to do. So, uh, keep praying for us regarding that. Uh, we are, as Justin just said, we are in the book of 1st Timothy. We're going through a series entitled Be the Church and, uh, in this, we take a closer look at First Timothy. It's a letter that Paul wrote to Timothy as he was at the church in Ephesus. That's where everything's taking place here. Uh, Timothy's giving information about instruction and guidance in order for the functioning of, God, of God's church, okay? Paul knew that the structure and order were imperative along with seeking and growing in Christ. If the church is gonna have a success, Okay, these, these things were, were necessary. And so Timothy's given a role of oversight, guidance, and encouragement of the church, specifically in, in Ephesus. And in chapter 3, verse 14, Paul writes this to Timothy. He says, I hope to come to you soon, but I am writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God which is the church of the living God, a pillar and a buttress of truth. Timothy was to persevere in the midst of persecution, attacks, and falsehoods, engaging God's church, which is made up of the followers of Christ. So this morning, we are going to be focusing on chapter 4 of 1 Timothy. So if you would, if you have your copy of the scriptures, whether Bible or electronic, whatever you have, go ahead and go there, Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4. There are 16 verses, so we are going to just go ahead and read the entire chapter here this morning, okay? So if you would, go ahead and stand with me in honor the reading of God's word, and we're going to read First Timothy chapter 4. Paul writes, "'Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons.' through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. If you put these things before the brothers... You will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness, for while while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the future life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end, we toil and strive, because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things, immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Would you pray with me? Lord God, as we come before you this morning, we give you the glory we have sung praises to you and lifted up your name, God. And I pray that you are pleased with what you have heard. And Lord, now, as we have read your word this morning, and we're gonna focus intently on this, I just pray that you would give us insight, um, open minds, make your spirit move to give understanding to your word, God. This is your word that you have given us to learn, to grow, to be discipled. And as Paul gave this to Timothy by your sovereign will, And now we read it as Timothy once read it as a letter. So give us the same understanding and may we follow it and please you, Lord. For your glory, God, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. So Paul's last words, if you look in in chapter 3, Paul's last words in chapter 3 are a confession, this is right before chapter 4, a confession of what he calls the the mystery of godliness. It says there in verse 16, great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. Now, mystery being here is is, uh, something that was once hidden, but is now revealed. That's what he means by mystery. Once hidden, but now revealed. And then godliness is our attitude and our actions toward God in response to what is revealed, okay? Mystery of godliness. So therefore, what is this mystery of godliness? Well, you see this in this, this uh, uh, little phrase that he gets here. It, it's really the gospel is what he's referring to. Look at verse 16. He says, he, being Jesus, was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. So what Paul just described there is God is glorified as the eternal one, okay, became like his own creation to save them. This is Jesus. He was righteous, one without sin, but became sin for us when our sin was imputed upon him. Okay, this is Jesus manifested in the flesh. He was vindicated by the Spirit. This happened in his resurrection as he was dead and became, became alive. Sin and death have no authority over him. There was a heavenly witness. Okay, It says seen by angels. There was a heavenly witness. The gospel was proclaimed. Many trusted and believed and he, and he was taken up to glory to be with the Father. That is the gospel. Praise God. That, that is what our church is based on. The gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news that he came from heaven, died for us, was, has been proclaimed in the nations and went back up to heaven. This is the truth that we follow. And yet we see in chapter 4 of verse 1 that there are those within the church okay, who don't follow the truth. They do not um, support and, and follow this, the gospel foundation that we follow, okay? And, and in fact, it says that in latter times, this is after Christ has ascended, that some will even lead the faith, okay? And this is the problem that Paul addresses throughout chapter four. This is what um, this, this chapter is, is all about that, that, that Paul is addressing, so Paul, Paul goes on to describe what this apostasy, okay, apostasy is an abandonment or rejection of your faith, okay, what that looks like. Now, this is very important for Timothy and for the church to hear, okay? So why is that? Why, why is this so important? Well, because this group of people bring false teachings, okay? They lie. They have the potential to manipulate, to confuse, and to destroy, The church, Paul said, in actually in verse 15 of chapter 3, he said, it's a pillar and a buttress of the truth. In a a building, your your pillars and your buttresses are there to to support. They're firm, they're immovable. They they support the building and and the walls and the the ceiling. And, And Paul is telling Timothy that the church is to stand on the truth, to support the truth. It is immovable against deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through liars who would distort the truth. Now, who are these people and how do you spot them? How do we know? How do we know we don't have anybody here right now that that would match that definition that we just gave? This we need to know. Verse 1 says they will depart from the truth, which means they were at one time a part of the truth. If they're gonna depart from the truth, they were at one time a part. If they're they're gonna depart from the faith, excuse me, at one time, they were a part of the faith. So does this mean that they were believers? They were followers of Christ? They had surrendered to him, trusted him as Lord? Well, they definitely claimed to be. They had declared their allegiance to Christ, but their actions show that they weren't truly converted. In John 10, 29, Jesus says this, my father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of my father's hands. And this is anyone that is a follower of Christ. So there is security in salvation because it is Christ who saves us and holds us. We receive the gift of of grace, through faith in Jesus, by the movement of the Holy Spirit. This is a gift, so we did not earn it. So it does not rely on our actions and ability to keep our faith and to keep our salvation. We are held by God. Had these people been true followers of Jesus, they would not have fallen away. John, uh, 1 John 2.19. Goodness gracious, give me a second. 1 John 2.19 says this. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that it might become plain that they are not of us. Okay, so little sidebar there. Salvation is secure in Christ. If you're in Christ and you're a believer, you will not fall away from him in the faith because it does not rely on you to hold that. God holds you in the faith. The problem is those that are not believers that are not in the faith. And this is the dangerous part here that those who are among us who really reject the truth of the gospel, but yet they claim to be followers of Christ. They are hypocrites, they're liars and deceivers. They cannot be trusted, and yet if we do not recognize them, we can be led astray. And don't assume that they'll be easily spotted. They will look like followers of Christ because that's what they claim to be. They will most likely fit fit right in. They'll be comfortable with the church system. They may even be gifted communicators. They may have a good reputation and even be, quote, respected. Paul knows this. He knows the extreme danger these false teachers can bring to the church. And he really spends the rest of this chapter Okay, the next 11 verses here, he spends guiding Timothy and the elders in the church by giving instruction on how to recognize and prevent false te- teachers from rising up within the body of Christ. And this is very, very important to Paul because he doesn't just talk about it here in chapter 4, okay? He mentions it in, in verse 3. Okay, chapter 1, verse 3. As I urged you, when I first came to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus, he's telling Timothy, so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by the faith. Chapter 6, verse 3. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of the Lord Jesus Christ... And the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. All of this can invade and, and cause the church to suffer. In many churches have suffered because of this. But it's not just in Ephesus that he applies this. In Galatians 1, chapter 6, or chapter 1, Galatians 1, verse 6, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but that there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Or how about the church in Corinth, 2 Corinthians eleven four. For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it readily enough. Or in other words, you will probably easily put up with it. Paul was greatly concerned about the churches and the church as a whole following the teachings and stories other than the true gospel. which means this heavily applies to us. We can't approach this like, well, we don't have a problem with false teaching here at Canaan. Paul hit this on all three of these, Galatians, Corinthians, and those in Ephesus, okay, in Ephesians. So if all of those churches, new churches, Paul's saying, look, you need to watch for this, watch for this to develop, watch for this to rise up. We also need to watch out for the same thing. There is great responsibility in helping to protect the flock and knowing what is being taught. Now here's what Paul does for the rest of this chapter. He goes through the 11 verses to a form and establish, and I've kind of divided it up into 12 areas areas that he shows Timothy about church leadership. That the overseers and elders need to be and to live out within the church when false teachings are a constant threat. So we're gonna look at those, okay? This is the, the response to false teachings in these 12 areas. The first one, you take the time to teach and instruct biblically. Verse six, if you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained to the words of faith and of good doctrine that you have followed. When he says put these things before the brothers, what he's saying is that he, Timothy is to teach, Okay, that means to put them before them. Take the time to instruct, to prepare, and be sure they understand and that they are learning and growing in Christ. Teach them to think biblically, to approach the world with a biblical worldview. This is what a good servant does. An elder or overseer makes sure that the flock is being taught so that they can recognize and confront false teachings that do not match the truth of Christ. That's how you know there's a false teacher. You're studying the word. You're in the word. You have a biblical worldview and you say, whoa, this does not match up to what we know of scripture. Number two, next one. To become a disciple that lives out the faith. The second part of verse six says, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. This involves discipling, training, There's no place for hypocrisy within the church of Jesus Christ. And we all must be careful and attentive to who we are and how we live. We need to be purposely discipled and and nourished in the word and, and be sure to live out the word daily. Discipleship is not something that just happens. It needs to be purposely approached as we desire, followers of Christ, desire to be disciples of Jesus and to grow like him. Thirdly, Have nothing to do with unholy stories or teachings. Have nothing to do, verse seven says, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. We need to have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. This is directly related to what Paul brought out in the first four verses. He was saying, watch for it, recognize it, reject it. Don't fall prey to this. People that bring these false truths tend to to draw people in and they become trapped. So what is the best way to keep from falling in these traps? This is number four. Rather, train yourself in godliness. Again, verse seven. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value... Godliness is a value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. This, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. We hear that word train, and we, for me at least, I hear that and I quickly connect to sports. You think of Olympic athletes training, building up, getting ready for, for their one event that, that often is over just like that but they trained years getting ready for the Olympics. Or right now, we are about four weeks into the football season and and players have been training all season and even the, all, all summer and, the, and the, be, during the winter before. And, and now they train every week, getting ready for the game that's coming. They're staying in shape. They're learning about more about football and how, how to, to, to meet this team that they're playing in their next opponent. They're going through painstaking, demanding uh, exhausting work each week and if they're not then you look like the Cowboys on week one and it looks awful Okay, but they got to be ready and they, they, they put everything they can into getting ready for that game but Paul says this physical work and all of this attention all this effort this, this painstaking demanding and exhausting work that goes into to, to physical training it has some value You're healthy. Maybe you perfect a sport or an event that you're doing and you play your very best. It has value. But what is greater than that? What has value in every way? It's training in godliness. Putting forth training and effort toward godly things in the same way, get this now, in the same way that some put forth effort effort in physical things. Preparation, painstaking, demanding, and exhausting. This should be applied to godliness. And in verse eight, we see that it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. It's your walk with Christ right now as you persevere in the faith, and continue to become like Jesus. This perseverance in the faith is evidence that you are a believer and will be with Christ in the life to come. This is evidence, how do you know if you're a follower of Christ? The Bible makes it clear. Evidence of that you truly are a believer is that you persevere in the faith. That's, that's the evidence. It's not in that you walked an aisle, that you said a certain prayer, that you did something when you were eight or nine years old. It's that you persevere in the faith. Those who are followers of Christ grow in the faith. They get discipled in the faith and they continue to grow to be like him. That's that's the evidence, the perseverance. So Paul emphasizes the importance of this by stating the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Now this, in in a phrase similar to this this, these were used by Paul multiple times in his letters. He uses it, okay, and he, he used it in, in chapter one of First Timothy also, but it, it's a phrase that it, it means that this, this, what I just said is definitely true. You can count on it, okay? You know it is the real deal and you can bank on this. Stand on this, it is true. Paul wanted Timothy to really grasp how important training in godliness was, especially in comparison to physical training. So related to that, fifthly, one must be committed to working hard. That's what goes with this. It, it, it's not just coming on Sunday, coming on a Wednesday, or coming to an event throughout the week, and then the rest of the week, we don't really focus on Christ or being godly. No, it's, it's working hard. Verse 10, for to this end, we will toil and strive Because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially those who believe. When he says to this end, he's referring back to training for godliness. And holds promise for this life and for the life to come. Paul works hard. He's looking toward the future. He's pursuing godliness. He's looking toward what is to come, knowing that it is all worth it. So many today back off or complain when things get hard or if it's just not the way they feel it's supposed to be. Paul knew that whatever he loses or has to give up here on earth or whatever he suffers, it is worth it because we have our hope set on the living God who is the savior of all people, especially those who believe. So this is also number six in Paul's response in dealing with false teachings and apostasy. Keep your hope set on Jesus. God is alive. He gives life. Jesus is alive. He was resurrected from the dead. Jeremiah 10.10 states this, but the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. At his wrath, the earth quakes and the nations cannot endure his indignation. Revelation 1:17 says this. Fear not. Jesus is speaking here. Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades." In contrast to all other idols, God is alive and active in this world and in the lives of those who trust who have trusted Jesus as Lord. And just to note, if you if you weren't careful in reading of verse ten, you might come away believing that this supports universalism. Okay, where where it says because we have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people especially of those who believe. Now, we obviously know if you're looking at the scripture as a whole, this is not true. Jesus made it very clear in his teachings. Paul made it clear in his letters that there are gonna be more that die separated from God than are believers and following God. There'll be more that spend eternity away from him than are with him. The road to heaven is, is 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 narrow while the road to destruction is wide. And noting that that Paul writes, especially those who believe, okay, this separates them from the phrase, who is the savior of all people, which means savior of all people would have different meaning than eternal salvation, which separates to those, especially the which applies to the especially those who believe. So John Calvin sees this to mean this. He says that God delivers, protects, and supports all of his creation. God delivers and protects and supports all of his creation, showing grace in ways most of the world does not see. Every day this world is shown grace and favor that they do not recognize. And if God shows favor to this world in that way, how much more to those who actually receive Jesus as Lord and to have eternal salvation. All right, so number seven on our list is to give direct and clear teaching. Give direct and clear teaching. We see this in verse 11. Paul says, command and teach these things. Paul is telling Timothy to speak the word and to not hold back. He is to warn against those who contradict the word of God and distort its meaning. Timothy is commanded to teach what Paul has just given, training in godliness, working and striving for Christ as you have your hope set on him. This is what a faithful servant does, and it applies to us. We see in verse 12 that this, this actually may be difficult for Timothy because of his age. Paul says, "Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity." So Paul tells him not to let anyone despise him for his youth. You know what? I know when I have taught this before, I've we've we've kind of focused on Timothy being being young, like like an older teenager. But in the commentaries that I've studied and doing research on this, did not know this that it's actually thought that Timothy was actually in his 30s at this time, in his 30s, but that it's actually young for those who would be leading the church and being elders of the faith. So even though he's older than I think maybe many of you would have, would have thought, um, definitely for, for me, uh, but he's young as far as leadership within a church and how people would approach him and look at him. Which brings us to the eighth area, which is be a godly example in how you live life. Be a godly example in how you live life. Paul's instruction on not letting anyone despise Timothy for his youth is to be done by setting an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Timothy here, what Paul is saying is, Timothy, live out the Christian life. That is what he's to do. Live out the Christian life. He is to be a godly example for all to see as he leads the church and gives guidance to the elders. He says in Matthew 5, 16, in the same way, let your light shine, this is Jesus speaking, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. What we say and do, should show love, faith, and purity, living out, how, living out who we say we are. In doing this, there would be no one to despise Timothy since his conduct and his speech reflected Christ and was not dependent on his age. So understand this. Timothy did not have to just say, look, I have been endorsed by these elders and by Paul, so you need to listen to me. Paul didn't tell him to do that if he's disrespected. He said, focus on your life, your purity, your love. And by living what's right, you will honor Christ in that and you will get your respect. And number nine, Timothy was to fill his mind with reading, explaining, exhorting from scripture. This is in verse 13. It says, until I come devote yourself to the public reading of scripture to exhortation to teaching paul wants timothy to be completely consumed with the word of god it will have an impact on everything that he says and that he does 1 timothy 3:14 says this but as for you continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed knowing from whom you have learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. So he's saying, continue in what you have learned and believed. Stay in the word. Public reading was to be a priority as he challenged the church and encouraged the leaders to teach what the text means and how the scriptures all come together. They would not have had their own individual copies of the text to take home. So it was in the church where they heard the scriptures read. Exhorting would have been calling on the body of Christ to obedience to the scriptures, engaging the word and applying to their lives. Related to this is the 10th area. Be faithful to the gift you have been given. We see this in verse 14. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Timothy has been gifted in the area of ext- exhorting and teaching the scriptures through the Holy Spirit. And Paul wanted to be sure that Timothy was faithful to this gift and not neglect it. Timothy having this gift wasn't just a subjective feeling that he had. It says that, that he had been seen and confirmed by other elders as they laid their hands on Timothy. The body of Christ saw God's work in Timothy's life. This practice needs to be promoted in the body of Christ. That we see and recognize God working in individual lives and that that we affirm and we help them in developing that gift. That is how the church grows. This is something that Pastor Daniel has been intentional about in his leadership as lead pastor. And we see this in our staff as well as in lay leadership. And number 11. It is to live out and absorb the word of God. Verse 15, practice these things, immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Living for Christ, obedience to his word, not neglecting our gifting, being consumed with his word. These are not just things that we kind of add to our day, but this is to be our life. This is to be how you live life. Other endeavors and functions are are worked around being, are all worked around being in the Word. Just like Timothy, we need to be just overwhelmed with the Word of God. And finally, in verse 16, we have our 12th area, which is be a person of integrity in life and with God's Word. Be a person of integrity in life and with God's Word. Verse 16. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Here, Timothy is being told to pay attention, be aware. Everyone is susceptible to falling into sin. So Paul is saying, be alert. Don't become complacent or careless. Live with intention and purpose. Be sure how you live and what you teach glorifies God personally and publicly. In 2 Peter 1 verse 5, Peter says this, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Making every effort for this to take place is so one is fruitful and working for Christ. And what is the result here? You persist, you move forward, persist in this. For by doing so, you will save both yourself and hearers. Paul is not talking about work salvation here or that Timothy personally saves anyone. No, he's saying that this is the means by which God uses to bring about salvation in the lives of people. As Timothy or any follower of Christ grows into faith, God uses him or her to bring the gospel, to be the way of salvation and to change lives. There we have our 12. Paul was very direct here. He's got a plan. He was systematic throughout this. He said, here's the issue, Timothy. Here's what you're gonna be dealing with. Here's the issue. You have to deal with this. Here's what you need to do. It's our role to learn from Timothy, to learn from Paul as God used them to guide us. What applied to Timothy here directly applies to us. As we seek to be a body of Christ that does not compromise the word of God. Most of this message this morning has been directed toward believers, followers of Christ that make up the church. But I started off this message as we looked at the mystery of godliness and it was the mystery of godliness that, that people were rejecting, that they were doing their own stories and, and a false gospel. But in that, the mystery of godliness was the gospel. So I wanna go back to the gospel again, because there may be those here who are not part of the body of Christ, that you do not know Jesus is Lord. And this may be new to you, if hearing it for the first time, or you may be here, and maybe you're more of a, of a false teacher that claims to be a believer, and maybe you, you're pushing a gospel that isn't true to the, the gospel that we have of Jesus Christ. Or maybe you think you're saved and you think, you know, I never really surrender to Jesus. So this is the gospel as we close out. God created his creation, created it perfect. It was exactly as God wanted it. And he said, it is good. But his creation failed him. They went against him. They sinned. Humanity rejected God and they were separated from him. Because of that rebellion, they suffered pain, suffering, death. And the issue here, the big, one of the biggest problems in being separated from God was they couldn't fix it. They rebelled against God. Humanity rebelled. And because of that, they were not with God and now we're separated from him. And humanity, humanity has dealt with that ever since that first occurred with the first man and woman with Adam and Eve separated from God, struggling, trying to get back to him, but depraved because they can do nothing about it. But God in his grace and his love did something. He sends Jesus, his son, who died on the cross because God knew that for that sin to be taken care of, there had to be death because the result of sin is death. So Jesus came without sin and died on that cross. But the Bible says that the one who knew no sin became sin so that all of humanity's sin and the wrath of God for that sin was put on Jesus on that cross and he died. And then God resurrected him and brought him back to life so that he lives. And in that life now, we have salvation for those who will trust in Jesus as Lord you get the salvation by grace. Okay? We already kind of talked about that. It is a grace, it is, it is a gift that is through grace. Grace is favor you do not deserve. And you get that through faith. You trust in Jesus as Lord in faith. You receive his gift of grace. It's this gift of salvation that is by grace, and you have life in him. So if you were here and you have, have never done that, you never surrendered to Jesus as Lord and you recognize now, you know, I am lost in my sin and my suffering and there is salvation available for me. If God is calling you, respond this morning because you don't know. You don't know what's gonna happen the rest of the day. You don't know where you'll be tonight. You don't know if you'll be back here next Sunday. But for those who are lost, who do not know Jesus, there is salvation in him we're now going to go into a time of response okay so if you would go ahead and stand with me Uh, prayer team if you guys would come on forward this um, area up here is for you to respond if you'd like we have our prayer team up here that if you would like to come up and have someone pray with you uh, to share with you to support you they will pray with you that's what they are up here for Maybe you just want to come up and and pray alone. That's what this is for, also. You can kneel here and and just come before God and respond to Him. Maybe you're dealing with, with sin in your life or struggles that you just need to surrender to Him. Maybe you're just hurting. Maybe life is just hard right now and you're feeling loss or pain or struggle and you just need to lay it before God. Come on. Maybe you're lost. You need salvation and to trust Jesus as Lord. Do that this morning. Maybe you want to join this this body. You can do that at this time. Whatever God is working with in your life, just don't reject it. If he's working, respond to him and let his will be done in you as we sing together.